Welcome into episode 82 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jamie, Jeremy Law. Sorry, guys. Hey, you know, time gets away from us, but we're back. You know, Lester wanted to have intro music. Um, but, that, you know, that's not really what the what the Gump Runners is about right now. We'll just get straight into our content. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, plus, I don't know how to do it. J-Law is the, uh, the, the media guy. But um, I kind of run everything through here because he's super busy 24-7, but Sorry, we know it's been a while. Um, the spring got away from us. You know, I'm, I'm coaching baseball. J-Law's working 12, 14-hour days. Lester's on night shifts. Very difficult to to find a day where we can all um, ha- have a time in a day that, that we're all free and available for a couple of hours to do our podcast. But um, just a, a quick summary. Um, J-Law, we'll start with you, man. We, we, we wanted to mention the basketball season and the ending losing the Sweet 16 to San Diego State. Um, it's one of those where kind of uncharacteristic from Alabama, ice cold from deep. Brandon Miller went like three out of 19 or something like that. Brandon Miller goes number two um, overall in the draft to the uh, to the Bobcats. Um, J-Law, just give a quick synopsis on the season as a whole and how it ended. Were you happy, um, unhappy, disappointed, whatever? Just give me some some emotions and feelings on the end of the season. Yeah, it's classic tournament, man. Just you get in, you don't know what's going to happen, and it happened to Alabama. We, they're not a live and die by the three, but they kind of are when they play a really good team because they can blow you out by 30 or they could blow a 12-point lead with eight minutes to go in the Sweet 16. So, um, you know, it, it was disappointing, but, I mean, San Diego State did go all, all the way down to the to the finals in the final four. Um, but you know, that team had a lot of potential. It's probably the best roster of my lifetime, put it that way from top to bottom of talent that they've had. Um, the ties, the highest pick they've ever had in the draft at number two. Um, and you know, I think NATO's kind of let one slip away. Cause if you do, you probably don't beat UConn. They'd already beat us once. And boy, that UConn team was playing like, you know, it's like a team that didn't want to lose, but, Still to even reach a Final Four. I know we don't want to sound like Auburn fans. Oh, we made a Final Four. We're 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 in. We're back. We're whatever. But you do want to. You would like to hang that banner. But yeah, a little disappointing, especially considering the adversity that that team went through throughout the year. But look, man, Nate Oates loses all his assistants. Still stacks another solid recruiting class. Another transfer recruiting class. JQ just signed with Memphis. You lose him, but you feel good about the guards as you brought in. So overall, man, listen. Another SEC regular season banner, tournament banner, another Sweet 16 appearance. There are, what, 12 of the other schools, maybe outside of Arkansas. Nobody's had the success that Alabama's had in the last four basketball seasons. When you talk about postseason plays, so, I mean, there's others. More than 90% of the conference would love to be in the spot Alabama's in. So, reload is what they're going to do. And um, looking forward to another fun season with another fun non-conference schedule for hoops to get into SEC play and see where it goes. Yeah, definitely. Nate Oates did a great job of reloading the roster after losing all the assistants. We'll get into more of that as um, football season, you know, get, gets deep into SEC play and you get around that late October, early November, or whenever basketball season really starts getting into full swing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm like you, J-Law. It's, it's easy to be disappointed because as Alabama fans, we've come to expect so much. Uh, the football team definitely has spoiled the fan base. But it's easy to be happy for the basketball team. It is tournament basketball. And, no, this team was not a live and die by the three, but they died by the three. I mean, it is, it is what it is. A cold shoot night, San Diego State was a very good um, defensive team, very experienced. Um, but, you know, we, we look forward. And good thing about Bama is that you can kind of see that this is going to be a trend. You know, every single year under Nate Oates, uh, even with a lot of roster turnover, he's going to be able to get into the tournament and be one of the, you know, one of the favorites to win it. Uh, one of the top five favorites to win it year in and year out. That's very possible. Um, I don't know if it's Kentucky's league anymore. It might be Alabama's league. You won two out of the last three SEC regular season championships. And um, you've had some postseason success as well. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's easy to be disappointed. And you kind of did feel like it was their year with all the adversity. That would have just been the cherry on top of the Sunday, man. Do all that crap, all the national media just killing Brandon Miller, Nate Oates. Uh, no pun intended, sorry. But 
yeah, it, it's and and then for them to come out on top, that was just been the the cherry on top of the Sunday. But Lester, give a quick quick synopsis of this year and 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 the way it ended and how you feel about it and the future moving forward. Yeah, man. Um, a great season. I feel like a good time, a fun season. You knew that every time you tuned in to watch Alabama basketball, you're probably going to see something spectacular. Uh, whether it was Brandon Miller play or just overall great team play, a great win. Um, they went undefeated through the SEC until um, what the Tennessee game in January, February, something like that. So, um, yeah, great year. You can't really complain about it, I feel like. You know, going up to the San Diego State um, loss, you know, Brandon Miller had the growing injury. Um, that probably explains a lot of his, you know, Quite frankly, just an awful basketball game out of him. Um, but once again, um, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I was probably I think I, I think I was maybe a little ominous about that game anyway, because we've seen this time and time again when you get that really experienced team against a team that isn't as experienced. Sometimes that experience outweighs the talent. You know what I mean? I mean, we've seen it several times in the intramurals. You can have the most athletic team on campus, but the doggone, what, Air Force <laughs> intramural team or somebody, somebody who's really smart, you know, somewhat athletic, but they're, like, extremely organized, will dominate every single time. So, you know, and we saw that in this NCAA tournament a couple years ago with that Wisconsin versus Kentucky. There's no way those – Big-ass white guy should have beat Kentucky off the floor that night, but they damn sure did. So, you know, that that's that's tournament basketball. You know, you hate to see the team go down after having, you know, Final Four wishes. Um, I know I'm sure all of us were looking at, you know, hey, where's the Final Four at? You know, let's, you know, maybe try to get up and go and things like that. But the thing about that is we're going to be having that conversation for the foreseeable future. Hey, where's the SEC tournament at? Where is the Final Four at? Where are the, you know, the regional games or whatever leading up to that? So I'm I'm not upset about it. Um, great team. Loved it. Had a great time. I'm so excited about what NATO's did after Lewis's assistance, bringing in, you know, more elite guys. That comes from, you know, the, the, the new assistant coaches to the players, Um Quite frankly, I'm glad JQ is gone. Apparently, the new guy they brought in was kicking his ass in practice, so he saw the writing on the wall. So, hey, man, I, I'm 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 extremely optimistic about the future going forward for Alabama basketball. No hard feelings. Yeah. All right. Well, boys, uh, for <clears throat> for college sports fans, it is officially football season. Now, there's there's MLB baseball going on and summer league NBA, but if you're a college sports fan. For your college team, it is officially football season. You got SEC Media Days this next week. Um, you get JLA, is that in Nashville, Atlanta? Yeah, it's in it's in Nashville this year, which you know feels yeah, a I don't even weird, keep up but, with it. But and I guess yeah, um, yeah, you got fall camp starting in a couple of weeks, so really getting to the into the swing of things in July. It's kind of when that calendar, the recruiting calendar, kind of picks up. You know, J Lo, I always tell you it's June, it's June, it's June. Don't really freak out about recruiting. And July is when you get a lot of commitments. I'm I still don't really put a, a ton of stock into it. Um, like if Alabama gets a commit, I might retweet it, but I'm not gonna go like talk trash to somebody because in season visits are so big to me. Um, I think that that has a, a ton of weight in recruiting. And like I tell like I told y'all on the text the other day is that Nick Saban does as good a job of any, if not better, of in season recruiting and making sure that he's he's getting his recruiting done at night post practice, um, instead of just hey, calling it a night early and going home to see Miss Terry and the kids or grandkid or what whoever. Um he does a really good job of of keeping a relationship with these players in season, and uh, I think that that really bodes well for him, and it really helps him out getting the big dogs to sign in the, in the early signing period in December. But the topics we wanted to cover in this podcast were basically all the new stuff that's going around Alabama. You've got two new coordinators, shocker. Um, you're going to have a, a new quarterback. Bryce Young starts for two years; he moves on to the to the NFL. And um, so you're going to have a new guy. We don't know who it is. We'll break him down here in a minute. We'll tell you who we think it's going to be. 
And um, and also I say the biggest question mark outside of the um quarterback play this year is gonna be the receivers. Alabama's got a lot of bodies, they got a lot of talent on paper. You know, there's a lot of stars by these guys' names, but nobody is really taking the bull by the horns at that position. Is it is it I mean, is it Burton? Is it Corey Brooks, Malik Benson, Isaiah Bond, Kendrick Law, Kobe Prentice? There's a lot of guys to choose from. So I want to get each of our opinions on who is going to, who are going to be the top three receivers in our in our opinion. So we'll we'll go over there or we'll go over that as well. Let's start with the play callers on both sides of the ball. I know everybody's interested about the or the uh, the quarterback situation which we'll cover in a minute. But first, I want to go over these coordinators because it's just different ends of the spectrum. You've got Kevin Steele, a guy who's been in the SEC for years, you know, multiple teams, uh, even in Alabama back in, what, 07? But um, And then on the other end, you've got Tommy Reese. Grew up in Cali, went to Notre Dame, coached in Notre Dame, really has – uh, it's kind of a, a questionable hire, I guess. Nobody – Nobody could have saw it coming. I guarantee if you were a betting man, you would have lost that bet on who's Alabama's next offensive coordinator. But, J-Law, start on the offensive side of the football. What do you think about Tommy Reese? What is he going to bring to Al- – What good or bad? You know, I mean, this is preseason talk. So, we're not – if you haven't heard us before in this podcast, we're not going to kiss ass. We're not going to sit here and, and – everything's all sunshines and daisies. We're going to call it like we see it. If we, if we see something negative, we're going to say it. If we see something positive, we're going to say it. So, J-Law, positives and negatives, pros and cons about Tommy Reese and, and what you think about him. Well, you know, I think we were all – once uh, the news got out, Saban was interviewing the guy from Washington. We were pretty excited about that, right? Guy took Michael Penix Jr., trying to turn him into a stud – throws the ball all the way around the field, uses the full, what, 53 yards of the field, likes to stretch it 40 to 50 yards on any play. Well, Alabama's – we're going to we're gonna shorten the field a little bit again, which to me, you know, just doesn't make a lot of sense. I know Kirby has won it that way, but, dude, he's the only one in the last five or six years that's consistently winning in that way. Alabama wasn't winning in that way. Um, since Lane Kiffin, so from 14 to 2000 and I guess the end of 2020 when Sark left, Alabama runs a dynamic offense out there. They win a lot of games. And they, lose a, they lose a few games that they shouldn't have lost, but I don't really think any of those were probably because of the offense. You were limited by a quarterback a couple years, um, and you really have had your worst sequence of defensive coordinators that you've ever had under Saban when you went uh, – Tosh Lapoy, and then I guess Pete Golding right after Tosh. Yeah, it was Lepoy, Tosh and Pete. What, Tosh so you, was, what, 2018? Yeah, Tosh was – uh he was – Tosh Lapoy's defense was the blowout of the day on one of the college football Twitter accounts, Alabama Clemson 2018, Natty, where he had no idea what he was doing, got out coached, got out schemed, and then you roll in with Pete Golding. So it's easy to say, yeah, we, we need to control the ball more on offense, but, dude, just go, for, go score 40 and tell your D.C., dude, don't give up 24. We'll, we'll win every game if you don't give up 24 points. I don't understand necessarily dialing the offense back because you're still putting yourself now at a scenario where if you don't play lights out defense and you give up 28, you're going to be in trouble. We don't really know what to expect with Tommy Reese. We don't know how much Brian Kelly had his hands in that offense, and then they hired a defensive guy in Freeman at Notre Dame, right, who was probably – thinking like Saban's thinking right now, let's limit possessions for the other team. Let's If every possession ends in a kick, we're going to win the football game type of stuff. I want every possession to end in a touchdown. And I want it to happen in eight or less plays. And I want to put a lot of pressure on the other team, just like – got to score now. Yeah. And, you know, and with the athletes to do it the way that we've recruited, I know we've been a little weak on the offensive line the last few years. I don't necessarily think a lot of that is – all recruiting. I think there was a bad development year built into that. Um, but you know, there's a there it's gonna be based off of what we do at quarterback too. I know Tommy Reese likes RPO. That's one of the reasons Saban said he hired him, right? Does he kind of goes back with the RPO? Bill O'Brien wasn't super comfortable with the RPO because he was so NFL. The RPO just hit the NFL in the last couple of years. Bill O'Brien took us way back. So 
Tommy Reese likes it. He likes power run. Wolford's going to have that offensive line ready. I think we all agree that the O-line is going to be one of Alabama's top strengths and all the radio talking heads do too. But with Tommy Reese, it's kind of unseen how much of the reins does Saban give off. What what do we think we can see from Tommy Reese? We really don't know because, man, that Notre Dame – I'm sorry, Notre Dame just doesn't have the talent and the horses that Alabama does, and I think we've seen that over the last five or six years. Even when we've played Tommy Reese, right? Didn't we play Tommy Reese in the playoff in 2020? I think he was their OC then. Yeah. Uh, mistaken, I mean, yeah, I mean, they – we weren't, 14. I mean, they didn't have a lot of stud athletes, so – We'll see what Tommy Reese can do. I'm excited about it. There's nothing we can be mad at now. We guys got to look forward to it and hope for the best. <laughs> I, I think that people kind of misconstrue why Reese was actually brought in. A lot of people are thinking, oh, we're going back to a 2009 70% run, 30% pass. And I don't think that's the case. I think Saban does want to run the ball more, but I think Reese brings – more of a mixed bag run game. I think he runs the quarterback a ton. Uh, I think he runs inside zone, your outside zones, power runs, counter runs, and then play action off of everything. And his his pros for me, um, like I said, I think he's going to run the quarterback a bunch, which is one of the reasons I think they went and got Buckner because, number one, Buckner is familiar with the offense. He's a smart guy. It's not going to take him a long time to figure it out. Um, but – Really, is, is if if you're planning to run the quarterback a lot, you want as many bodies as you can put back there. And you've got three really good runners, a quarterback. I didn't think Saban wanted to go with the true freshman. So you've got Ty, you've got Milrow, and you've got Buckner, um, who are all really good runners. Now, of course, Milrow is way above everybody else in that category, but the other two can still get it done on the ground if they have to. Um, so for injury purposes, I think that was one of the reasons that they went and got him out of the portal. Um, I think he'll do a good job with his misdirections. You look at Notre Dame's film last year, there's a lot of easy throws in the flats off of slide routes post-snap, which means maybe a, an H or a Y is on the left side, and then they play action to the left, and the Y slides to the right, and he just kind of slides off the block, just hits him right there on the flat on a rollout. Um, it's a very easy throw. You see a lot of guys do it, except for Bill O'Brien. Um, there's a good mix of short, intermediate, and long throws. Um on Notre Dame's film last year, uh, you know, he's going to make the defense defend all 11 players, which is always tough as long as you've got a quarterback that can beat you downfield. I mean, you look at Georgia, C.J. Stroud last year, they had no answer. I mean, Marvin Harrison goes down. That allows Georgia to come back and win the game. Of course, Ohio State shanks the field goal. Um, so they had a chance to beat him anyway. But they had, Georgia had no answer for that, and that was – you know, the easily the best defense in the country. Um, so if you if you make a defense defend all eleven players on the field, if your quarterback can push the ball downfield and be a threat throwing the ball 15, 20 plus yards downfield, then you've got a chance. Uh the cons with Reese for me, I just I think he's too young, but more importantly, it don't matter if you're 70. If you don't have experience in a big time conference, much less the SEC. I don't trust that. This guy hadn't even been in the Big 12 or the Big 10. Uh, he has no idea what's waiting for him in, on this conference schedule plus Texas. Uh, you're, you're playing – we've talked about this before, guys. You're playing teams week in and week out whose coaching staff gets raises if they beat you. They prepare year-round for you. You tell me Sark's not up in his office right now watching, watching Bama film? I mean, Tennessee – with LSU with Brian Kelly, Texas with Sart, Ole Miss with Kiffin, Hugh Freeze now at Auburn, who's done it already, beat Bama twice or beat Saban twice. He knows all about this. He knows what that does for your program. And then, of course, A&M with Jimbo, they're simply coaching to beat Saban. Jimbo, this has been broken down. Jimbo uses motions one game per year just to confuse the hell out of Saban. Heupel got beat by South Carolina last year. That was after the Bama game. I mean – Harson took Saban to the wire. Guys, I mean, these coaches know what's going to get you paid. A Brian Harson team, Alabama took four overtimes with a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback to beat a Brian Harson Auburn team. Kiffin's come close a, a couple of times. You tell me he didn't want to beat Saban after public, publicly humiliating him for years? I mean, these coaches live to beat Saban. If Reese doesn't have his best game plan week in and week out, 
he's going to get shut down. You, you you simply can't. This is what Bill got Bill O'Brien in trouble. You can't do the same thing every week. You've got to have five or six different plays every single week that can lead to a big gain or touchdown, and you got to call him at the right time. Reese is a this is a guy from California who's only he played at Notre Dame, only coached at Notre Dame. He's kind of been coddled in South Bend his whole life, basically. And now I, I think he struggles mightily, especially out the gate, having to prepare for an opponent's national championship week in and week out. I mean, this so is how, not easy. How far, guys, how far down the list do you think Tommy Reese was when Saban finally knew, got confirmation, Bill O'Brien's leaving, which – I know we pushed him out saying whatever, but how far down the list was Tommy Reese? Man, we never know. I, I don't know. He might have been high on Saban's list. I have no idea. I um, think he's far down. I think he was he wasn't the top five or six pick. I don't think so. After I find it hard to believe I find it hard to believe that five or six people would tell Saban no. Well, I mean, we know Levy Levy said no. Yep. Pinnett. Garrett Riley. How much did we push for Levy, though? And I don't, I, we never talked to Garrett Riley. He was never on the list. Because well, if he was, I guarantee you he does not go to Clemson. Like, he's a bad It's a different world know. at Bama. Dude, the Washington guy turned us down because he wanted money. more money than Washington. Right. And he's going to have to work 80 hours a week instead of however many hours they put in there. I think Tommy Reese was probably Reese not was, in Saban's top five. I, I, I would say he was two or three. I mean, I don't – I mean, how much did we push for Levy? There was never – I mean, those – you we have to determine what is just fans blowing smoke on message boards and what's actually factual. I mean, I think Saban wanted the guy that's going to listen to him also. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the Washington guy did interview. I mean, he was here. Like, Yeah, yeah. I, that's – that was – that might have been Saban's one, but I mean, I'm sure Reese is two or three. I don't – on my list, he would have been like number 400. So, well, I mean – Maybe I asked the wrong I, – I just don't – I just don't feel like this puts Alabama in – listen, they might go win a natty, but is it going to be because of this offense? I don't think so. I think it's going to be more because of the replacement. Well, like you, like you said a minute ago, J Law. I mean this this guy had no horses in South Bend, and you sent us the uh, the film of Ohio State and the offensive highlights. I guess you could say or whatever. Every play, I don't know what it was, but there were some formations that I screenshot and I sent to you to say, "Hey, this double tight shit, you got to get it out. That is bullshit. I'm tired of watching this shit. Get it out." Um, I'm not going to sit here and watch Miles Kitzelman and C.J. Dupree line up on the field at the same time. That's just embarrassing. But at the same time, there were some good plays involved in that scheme. And the problem was Buckner gets a snap, one, two, I've got a guy in my face. He has no time. He's got no help around him. So it's hard to evaluate Buckner. It's hard to evaluate the offense when you literally do not have time. When you don't have time, guys, what do you have to do as an offense coordinator? Got to get the ball out. Yep. Telling me the defense doesn't know that? Hey, we're getting pressure with four. I mean, look at 2016 Alabama. They were in your face, tackles for loss all over the field because you can afford to play downhill because your ass has two and a half seconds to get rid of the ball or Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, John Allen, they're, they're on you. And so that's, that's – I'm trying to be as optimistic as I can. Another con I had for Reese, you can't use the tight ends at Alabama like you did in Notre Dame. You know, he had Michael Mayer the last two years caught 140 balls for him. He doesn't have that luxury at Bama. That was his only luxury, and he does not have that at Bama. Tight end recruiting has been putrid, so he's got to learn how to use the talent at receiver rather than tight end. Because like I said, C.J. Dupree and Miles Kitzelman, it's a big-time no-no. Can't have it. Lester, what do you think about Reese and – what are your expectations from him? Uh, I, I I want to be cautiously optimistic, but as far as you know, recruiting, development, play calling, I mean, all of those things are very, very important as an offensive coordinator. You know, it's not just per se calling plays on the field, like this and all the stuff that like leads into it. You know, like you said, I I believe an elite tight end 
over a linebacker or safety is possibly the greatest potential mismatch that can happen on a football field. So I can get the allure of wanting to use your tight ends um, as much as Drew does, but when they sure, start, you just got to have like Michael Mayer. Mayer. You just got to have right. Michael Mayer or Brock Bowers, sure, or or OJ Howard or Irv Smith. I mean, they're right. they're gone. I don't know why we didn't pursue more guys like them. You know, but whatever. Um, it, it it's it's going to be interesting. I I think being a young guy could be to to his advantage. Maybe someone who could be a little bit more offensively creative than he was at Notre Dame because we got dogs and we got horses on this offense that will go. But he has to be willing to utilize that. Another thing about um, Reese, I know we were texting the group um, a couple days ago, and you were talking about Kiffin and how he operated his offense three different times, three different years, three different offenses to fit the personnel. Can Reese do that? Can he adjust his scheme for if Miro's the quarterback, if Buckner's the quarterback, if Simpson's the top the quarterback? You know what I mean? Because Bill O'Brien couldn't do that at all. He was going to run what he was going to run, and that was it. Does Tommy Reed have the ability, the mindset, the schemes to adjust to what this particular team can do best? this year and put those players in the best positions to thrive. You know what I mean? I don't want him to come in and just have, this is my system. We're going to run it and we're going to live and die by it. No, no. Being versatile is something that you have to do, especially when you have different quarterbacks. Milrow, who, you know, may not be the pass first guy, you know, maybe best with his wheels, you know, or you have, you know, Buckner or Ty Simpson, more traditional quarterbacks, you know. For instance, if Milrow is the guy, you know, Okay, let's get him some runs in. Let's get him some runs in. Let's do things to get him in space to help out this offense. We'll see. But, you know, if not, is Reese going to put whoever that guy is, whoever he may be, is he going to put that guy in the best position to lead this team? We don't know that yet. We haven't seen that yet. You know? So yeah, and how much pull, like, you know, as far as personnel goes, I mean, I'm guessing that comes down to saving. But right. how much pull does a thirty-year-old have? You, I mean, if he's if it comes down to how 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 long is Milrose leash? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we saw him have one start last year, Texas A&M. He damn near got us beat. He turned the ball over what four times? He threw two picks and fumbled twice, something like that. And yeah. so he's been turnover prone, whether it's scrimmages, eight-day games, um, or live game action. And um, there's no question about the athleticism that he has, but he's not a quarterback, and so. Is Reese going to be able to go to Saban at 30 years old and be like, like demand, hey, look, I need somebody else. I don't give a shit who it is. Give me somebody else back there. How much pull does he have? Yeah, and I, I, I've, I've said that to y'all several times. Saban wants the guy that he can bully. Because, um, hey, Kiffin wasn't putting up with his shit. Fark wasn't putting up with his shit. Debo wasn't putting up with his shit at all. Um, I mean, Sark got a job at Texas. I don't know if he was like putting up with his right. shit. And uh, B.O.B., you know, Bill O'Brien, he wouldn't, you know. So I do think Saban wants a guy that he can kind of boss around and, you know, insert his, what he thinks could be his offensive philosophy. But, you know, we'll see. You know, Saban says one thing, then we come out and do a whole nother thing. So there's no telling. Hell, you know, we we said we don't care who it is as long as we don't go to the NFL for an office coordinator. This is about the farthest thing from the NFL you could get. I mean, this guy's never yeah. really sniffed it. So, I mean, system wise, I don't know, but we've talked about this. But Jalen, give me a grade for him. Give me a preseason July, mid July grade for Tommy Reese, and I guess just a higher. I guess give me a higher grade, and then we'll we'll try to revisit this at the end of the year. I'll go. I'll go B minus through Tommy Reese as an OC has never coached a top mm-hmm. 20. Well, excuse me, he was in the night and he was 19th in scoring offense once. He was 60th in total offense last year. Now his quarterback was hurt. We watched what they did. They scored a lot of points with Buckner, still with a bad offensive line against South Carolina when he came back. So, I mean, there, there's some stuff out there, but I'll go B minus just because you, he's a, there's a lot of unknown. He's not a proven guy. It's not bringing Sark over from the Falcons, which. A lot of Bama fans hated. Oh, Steve Zorkusian's coming back. He blew the twenty, whatever natty twenty seventeen natty fours, whatever. Sark turns out to be the greatest offensive coordinator of the Saban dynasty. 
But how important is this hire? I think we've talked about it a few times in the group text. If if Saban hangs it up after 2020, I think this. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to crap on anybody. If Saban quits after 2020 and Sark takes the reins, Alabama's on a three peat right now. That's how important this offensive coordinator hire is because if staff stays intact and Steve Sarkeesian's head coach slash OC, Alabama's on a three-peat with Mac Jones and then two years of Bryce Young. What they were able to do, what Bryce Young in this offense was able to do while being handcuffed and probably with their hands behind their back and probably their their legs chained together too for two years under Bill O'Brien with a poor defensive coordinator in Pete Golding who consistently underperformed and, and lowered the bar every year that he was a D.C. If Sark's the O.C., or if any, maybe anybody other than Bill O'Brien, they'll say that Alabama's probably on a three-peat right now. So this how that's how important this is because the defense still is hard to tell guys to not score, not give up 24. I don't think Kevin – I think he's going to give about hopefully 15 and a half, 16 a game with this with the defense that he has. But this is super important. You can't have games where, yeah, you can score 52 on ULM, but you cannot go to LSU and struggle to score 20. Like those types of things can't happen with the talent that's on the field. And I'm just not sold that Tommy Reese is a guy to do it until we see him do it. Alabama, just like Gus Malzahn, dude, he scored 50 on anybody until they were a good team. Then he scored 27. Yeah. So they got, they got to put it together in big time moments. Yeah. I'm going to give it a C. Plus. I, uh, I'm not, I'm just not sold. Uh, I think he can do good things. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be optimistic until I can't be, if that makes sense. Which is week two. Uh, I'm gonna watch the Middle Tennessee State game, not putting a lot of stock into that because if I was saving or Reese, I would not watch one second of film on Middle Tennessee State. You can line up line up vanilla, beat him, beat him forty two to ten. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, just get out of there and get ready for Texas because that game scares the hell out of me because that's all that's all Sark's been doing all summer is putting that game plan together. Um, Lester, what, what's your what's your grade for this hire? Yeah, I, I I'd agree around you guys. D C plus. Um, another thing that you guys mentioned that hasn't been mentioned much, but A J Milby and Chris Mortensen left Alabama. You know, you talk about bringing Stark in. You know, Milby and Mortensen were you know behind the scenes like two really really um great up and coming. You know. Office of Minds and and they're gone. I think one even went to UAB. I think Mortensen went to UAB to work under Trent Dilfer. Um, but you know things like that are 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 important. Um, Reese is what twenty nine thirty. He's our age. Something that bothers me is based on the film we've seen, the offenses that he's run. Did this guy not grow up playing NCAA four vert? Um, Halfback passes, all that fun stuff, and Bless now you. he's in control of the greatest. You know what I'm about to say? Talent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> but now he's in control of arguably the most talented offensive players, maybe in the country, <laughs> and he wants to run double tight. Oh, get out of here, dog! Come Dude, on, this man. guy, Lester, this guy wow. averaged in three years as the OC at Notre Dame. Tommy Reese averaged 33 points per game. Unacceptable, bro. That is not gonna fly at Alabama. He cannot do that. And it's like, Just you know, we can say we yeah, we can say he didn't have the horses, but at the same time he was playing a crap schedule. I mean, no that too. Yes, yes. So it kind of it kind of evens itself out, but we we finna find out. Um but yeah, Lester for everybody that's never played Lester on NCAA 14, this guy gets in the Maryland eye on Chill baby. Kill cloth. Three yards in the cloud of dust, going forward on fourth and one, and trying to convert and beat you seven to three. That's all he wants to do. So, Correct. Tommy, if you're listening to this, don't let Lester talk smack about you. He, you know, he's his his NCAA fourteen strategy was was trash. Against my but, friends, yeah, but against the computer, oh, I'm going ball through all. <laughs> J Law flipping over the defensive side of the ball. I know this. Is- <laughs> <laughs> Shayla was holding up a picture of uh, Tommy Reese. Who, I mean, he's he, if he's thirty years old, dude. I'm sorry, he looks he looks thirty nine, forty minimum. Um, but flipping over the defensive side of the ball, somebody who's not a spring chicken age wise, but still can get after it. 
Um, little old old school, hard nosed Kevin Steele. Um, coming over J Law, give me a a grade for this hire, and what are your expectations or what your expectations for Kevin Steele are? B, solid B. Um, I don't think that's. I don't think. Listen, hey, I just gave Tommy Reese a B minus. You, I know. you with a C plus. Yeah. Um, I mean, so look at this guy. Go. He's younger than he's, he's not, younger he's than freaking around. He's younger than Saban. Just want you to look at this guy. That's right. I mean, prison warden. This is what this guy looks like, right? That's right. Um, let's. I give it a B, and he can go up too. By the way, because I think he's got a lot of talent that literally just wanted somebody to coach him hard, uh, not be a screw up like Pete Golding. Um, and that, that's what you get with Kevin Steele. He's the perfect transition defensive coordinator. Knows what Saban wants done. Um, he's going to have respect from the younger coaches on the staff. Hutzler, um, we just – Robert Bala, we hired him from Liberty, who was a hot commodity um, when, with Hugh Freeze at Liberty. Um, T-Rob's going to do what T-Rob does. So this is kind of a CEO of this defense. He's not a position coach. He's going to be helping out with the inside backers, I assume, because it's kind of what he's done for a long time. But he he is overseeing this defense, and every other position has a coach. So you have a D-line coach. You have an outside linebackers coach. You got your inside backers coach, and T. Rob and Saban are handling the defense. So you got Kevin still solely focused on game planning and putting guys in the best position. What does that look like for Kevin Steele? Um, that's a we know we Kevin Steele. If Kevin Steele coached the 2016 defense, I'm not sure that you could possibly have more sacks than those guys did, but. They would have found a way to get more because Kevin Steele's coming after the quarterback. He's going to make it hard on your quarterback to read the defense, and um, I think that Kevin Steele is going to be a, a better, a much, a, an improvement on hiding our defense's weakness. So whatever that is, Kevin Steele is going to be able to match that. Where Pete Golding and Saban just were not on the same page with that over the last three seasons. I mean, just I just watched the Tennessee game again. How long does it take for you to say, hey, maybe Helm shouldn't be? Uh, in a man-on-man situation with a wide receiver. He can't do it. Um, even go back to A&M two years ago where you lose that game really because Hellams can't cover anybody. And those type of flaws just continue to pop up, and they were never able to fix them. Um, so I think Kevin Steele, he's a solid B only because, listen, an A-plus was maybe Glenn Schumann. We don't really know that it. yet. Yeah, I mean, it would have been an A-plus, but you can't yeah. hire him. So what are you left with? Schumann's not coming. He really doesn't coach that defense anyways. Dan Lanning's already a head coach. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that Steele is a bridge to yep. um, Pruitt. I, we talked about that. We all agree on that. I think he's a, a one- or two-year bridge once he gets done with his NCAA crap. But, man, dude, I give it an A, a B plus A, or A minus or an A. And it's simply because, like, I, he's old school. He's hard-nosed. He knows the conference. He's everything that Tommy Reese is not, really. He's in your face. He's still a high-energy guy, what, 65 years old. He's hella aggressive, like you mentioned. I mean, Auburn's defense was in, like, in the top ten in total defense all five, four or five years he was there. He's, like, the best defensive coordinator in Auburn's history, and he didn't have six or seven SEC All-Americans on that side of the ball. He had maybe – two or three tops every year. Um, and so I think he did He did more with less, which is what we always want and we always talk about. Now he has a chance to coach the most talent he's ever coached. Um, and I, I really – I look for the scheme to change a little bit. I'm not saying we're going to go straight 4-3, but I think we start kind of flipping some personnel in there and and maybe running two true defensive ends more than we're used to seeing. I know a lot of our stuff is just a four-two-five nowadays, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see his blitz combos that he does, and something that we haven't seen from Golding. I don't know if, if Golding was handcuffed or if he was just too scared or if he was just too unsure of his scheme to to call stuff like that. But you didn't really see a lot of exotic blitzes stuff like Georgia does. Um, especially on third and longs. But, I mean, Alabama lost the uh, 2019 Iron Bowl. Why? Defense forced two pick sixes. I know one of them went off of Najee's back, but why did Mac throw it three seconds too early? Because he had a guy in his face. And, you know, he overthrows Judy because he has a guy in his face. And, um, and so it's 
I don't know. I mean, Alabama really just kept it close because Matt just kept throwing it up to Waddle. Waddle just kept making crazy plays and kept returning kicks for touchdowns. But, Lester, what, do you, what grade do you give the Kevin Steele higher, and what are your expectations for him? I'm going to give his grade a B plus, possibly an A, solely off the fact that if Will Anderson mentioned that he has anxiety, Kevin Steele might have looked him in the eyes and told him to take his ass home until he grows a pair. Just it's just it's just not even not even talking a scheme, not even talking play calling, just from a mindset perspective. Get your hand in the dirt and get after somebody's ass. All right. I don't care about this. Is not even a conversation about play calling or anything. Just the mindset, just being a dog, just being aggressive, going out, running wide ass open and hitting somebody, making a play somewhere. And I feel like that edge has been missed sorely for a long time at Alabama. You know, frat boy Pete wanted to do things his way and that didn't work out. You know, everybody wants to, you know, Hope soft and yada yada yada. Well, when the LSU kicked your ass and Tennessee stepped on your head for sixty minutes, it ain't so funny now, is it? It's really not. You know, you can't just grow a pair and now you want to get mad and now you want to get aggressive when you know you're getting scored on every other play by the same freaking guy. No, no, that's not the time to get mad. That's not the time to get pissed off. That should have been happening. From the coordinator down, that mindset is comes from the coordinator down. You have to instill that into these guys. I want to get back to seeing guys fighting on the sidelines, teammates, throw helmets. I don't care. I swear I'd pay to see Ronnie Harrison and Ruben Foster just go at it in the middle of a game. It don't matter. But, you know, not saying that we need to go that far, but that mindset needs to come back to Alabama sidelines just a little bit. Hey, you screwed up. Whoever the leader is on that defense, go talk to that guy. Why did that guy screw up? Get in his ass and make sure it doesn't happen again. Accountability. Accountability. Somebody somewhere on the offense side of the ball and the defense side of the ball. We need a leader who's going to whoop some ass and get these guys in the shape because, you know, Reese don't have too much faith in him, still has that mindset to do that. But to a degree, it comes back on the players a little bit because those are the guys who are on the field actually going out there and making the plays. Now, as far as you know, play calling, things like that, like you said, still going to get after you. But you can't be a, have a, a bitch mindset running that type of defense. You have to be a dog going out there, wanting to punish people, wanting to force turnovers, and wanting to just frustrate the hell out of people. We got to get back to that, man. I don't know. Not, we keep saying Tommy Reese doesn't have any fire, but man, he does. Remember, I mean, yeah, he's on the phone, job, and here's why people don't want to do it because when Tommy Reese did it and there was a booth cam on him, people wanted him fired for yelling at a 20 year old quarterback who's screwing his team over because he can't read the defense, right? Oh, so, right. I, about that. I mean, I, I I like the Kevin Steele hire. It's the perfect transition. We've talked about it. Um, he, we don't expect him to be there long. He needs like two years, I think, to get Alabama retirement, or maybe this is his last year to get in the retirement system and uh, and get those years because we know how important that is because you get to feast on that X percentage of $250,000 a year because you retired in the state of Alabama. It just, to me, the only thing that I think Alabama is missing from last year, like Lester mentioned, is leadership, and that starts with your coordinators. So if Kevin Steele can get guys like Deontay Lawson, who's supposed to be the leader of this defense, to step up and lead this team, no no mentality like Will Anderson had where guys were nervous, scared, playing with anxiety. Go up there, play fast, play physical. You make a mistake, make up for it on the next drive. And I just don't ever think that's where Pete Golding ever excelled. Guys, I don't think defensive players have faith that Pete Golding was putting him in the right spot. I think they will with Kevin Steele just based off his track record. Yeah, and even if even if you're not in the right spot, you're going to be taught to play with your hair on fire. Right? If you're going to make a mistake, make it going 100 miles an hour. Don't make a mistake half-assing because you're unsure. Even if you're unsure, go go hit somebody. Go to the ball and take somebody's helmet off. But um, J-Law, 
moving on to the quarterback position, who do you want it to be? Who do you think it'll be? Just give me kind of a – and we'll, we'll go with Buckner, Simpson, and Milrow because I don't think the two two true freshmen – I think they both red shirt. I don't think they uh, they have a chance. But what are you hearing out of, out of this pre-camp or just summer workouts or whatever, and, and who do you think the man's going to be? And do you agree with it? Yeah, so I really think that if if Simpson doesn't bang up his thumb early in the scrimmage, it's pretty evident that he was going to be one and Jay and Milrow was going to be two. And I still think Alabama planned on bringing in another quarterback just because you can't put a lot of stock just in a spring game. But I really did think that Simpson outplayed Milrow when the lights were on on a day. But again, that's a setup scrimmage. You're not doing a whole lot. Who would I want it to be? Dude, I would love it for – I would let's say this this way. I would love it to be Jalen Milrow. I wish that a guy that had his legs, his athleticism, his just athletic ability to make things happen like that happened in the Arkansas game. I wish he had that paired with a an accurate arm, great decision-making, awareness of defenders around him when he's in the pocket, his pocket awareness. I wish that was great. The, the problem is – all he brings is supreme athleticism to the quarterback position. He doesn't bring consistent accuracy with his arm. He doesn't bring, if we've seen it, guys, we, he doesn't bring consistently reading the defense. He had just as much time in Bill O'Brien's offense as Bryce Young did. Remember that. They were there at the exact same time. You put him in two games. We never score any points against Arkansas, and he comes out against A&M, and he almost blows the whole game for it completely on his shoulders. Nobody else's fault. I wish that Jalen Milrow had all the tools to make it happen because I think with that athleticism, even with half of the arm talent that Bryce Young had, Alabama would be in good shape. The issue is he doesn't bring anything else other than that. Ty Simpson is who I want it to be just based off of what I've seen so far. I think Ty Simpson has the arm strength to get it done. I think he also brings you uh, far more athleticism than we've seen from probably any other Alabama quarterback on the field outside of Jalen and Blake Sims. So more than Bryce, more than Mac, more than AJ. I know that's not really saying a lot, but he's going to be up there with his legs to be able to make some plays happen. I think his arm's stronger. He throws a better ball than Jalen Milrow. Can he get in this offense? Can he learn it? And can he make the right decisions? So I mean, those are what that's kind of what you're looking for for with him. I think it's going to be is who I think it's going to end up being though. I think it's going to be Todd Buckner. I think Buckner's going to come in. He's going to have a grasp of everything. He's going to really? have a grasp of a lot of the terminology. Mm-hmm. Listen, I hope it's not because I really think that the the ceiling for Ty Simpson, if he can put it together, is going to be really high. Um, we've kind of I don't know if we've seen the ceiling for Buckner, but there's a big sample size. You can get on YouTube and watch him for hours. There's so many highs. The issue is there's a shit ton of lows when you deal with this guy too, and a lot of that's offensive line play at Notre Dame. But I think. Maybe by Texas game, you're going to roll out a more experienced Buckner um, with better weapons than he ever had at Notre Dame in an offense. I know that the the verbiage and everything is not going to be what it was at Notre Dame, but you can't tell me he's not going to be more in sync with Tommy Reese when fall camp goes around than either Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow. Who has the locker room? Right now it's Milrow, but guess what? Jermaine Burton, Malik Benson, these guys that are trying to get to the NFL, it's good to be buddy-buddy with somebody, and that's your guy. He's been working hard until he can't deliver you the football because I watched Calvin Ridley pitch a a fit in the in the national title game against Georgia where two had to come in because Jalen Hurts could not put a ball within 10 yards of him. So it's all fun. It's all cool to be friends with somebody until they can't get you the football and they're taking money off your paycheck when the NFL draft comes around. And that's what's going to happen with Jalen Milrow. I hope – and if Milrow can't put it together, I'm cool. I want it to be Ty Simpson. I think his ceiling is really high. I'd love it to be Milrow. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I do think by game two, Texas, that Buckner is probably going to have the best chance to give Alabama a chance to win in that game, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I get it. And it's kind of kind of what I was thinking about too is – I wouldn't be surprised that whoever starts the season doesn't end up finishing it. I would not be surprised at all whether it's due to injury or um, bad play, and that includes, you know, it goes for Milrow, Simpson, or Ty, or uh, or Buckner. But um, it, and you kind of touched on this, J. Law, but I'm I'm just gonna bring it to light. We have the perfect All American quarterback at Alabama. Problem is, they're in three different people. Arm talent. Ty Simpson by far your best arm talent. 
Um, he he had some teammate issues. I, I I'll question that. I have there's there's a slight rumor going around on message boards that he's starting to win the locker room and he's he's been working out extra with guys. But Milrow had him down there in Florida a couple of months ago working out with him. Ty's throwing on his own to a non to a standing target. I, I mean, I can do that. Like that's not showing me anything. Show me with your teammates that you're bonding with them. But arm talent is no question, Ty. Milrow, like you touched on, my far the most athletic for for what Reese wants to do, but he can't beat a big time team with his arm. He, I think I compare him a lot to Jalen Hurts. He shredded Miss State and Arkansas teams like that, but when it came to good defenses like like Georgia, Clemson, Florida State, he struggled big time. Um, Buckner, I think, is a middle of the road talent. Like you said, we haven't really seen what he can do with help around him. Um, he knows the offense inside and out. And he knows exactly what Reese wants read-wise on every single play call. So you have three guys that bring something different to the table. If you can mix Buckner's mind with Jalen's athleticism and Ty's arm talent, you got an All-American quarterback. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So I don't know who takes the reins in fall camp. Right now, I do think it's Milrose to lose. Um, problem is, I think Milrose is a really good practice player. Um, unless he comes in the scrimmages and really blows up. But I think Milro has a problem between the ears when the lights come on. Now, he's got a very small sample size. You get your A-Day game, your Texas A&M, and your Arkansas last year. That's really like it. Blake Barnett, right? Yes, that's kind of it. Yeah, Blake was a really good practice player. Lights came on against USC. He shit his pants. So, and Saban loves to – he loves the guys that develop and work hard, and that is Milrow. But I don't think the arm talent's there. So, how long is his leash? Like I asked earlier, how long? How long does Saban get him? Does, does Tommy step up and say, "Screw this," you know, "Fire me"? I don't care. Um, but I don't. You know, we'll, we'll just have to see. But yeah, you got an all all American quarterback at Alabama. Problem is, they're split up between three different guys. Lester, who you got starting a quarterback for the Tide this year? Shoot, man. I... This conversation has scared me shitless, bro. I'm not going to lie. I guess this has been in the back of our minds. No doubt. I guess this has been in the back of our minds, kind of, but for the first time of us, like, talking about it like this, oh, look who's it's coming a, in with two. It's a scary we, situation, bro. We've talked you so much. 40. We've talked so, yes, we've talked so much of Sark's going to come in and drop, you know, 40 points. We and up to this point, we've always talked about can still stop the guy. But shoot, guys, are, are we gonna be able to score enough? Because see, the thing is, whoever starts week one, he's your guy. Oh, yeah, that's it. Texas. Yeah, you know, Milton State or whoever we're playing, that's really not gonna be a test. The 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 best case scenario if Milro if Milro starts against Week in week one, if he is not damn near perfect, there's a problem. It ain't never gonna happen though. But it no no if he's not perfect against that team, right? It's an issue because Ty or somebody whoever should be able to just shred that team. You know what I'm saying? Like you're like assuming wide receivers are gonna be running open, balls have got to be on the money. They've got to be timed correctly. Like I said, that game, week one, the score doesn't matter. How does it look? Are the throws on time? Is he throwing guys open? Or, you know, that matters because week two, you know, ain't no hiding, buddy. So yeah, I, we're also I, not I, running I an offense. Start, but I, I, Chase brought up a good point. I, I think whoever starts might not finish the season. So. Yeah, I was going to say, we're, and we're also not running an offense where it's predicated on getting guys wide open. I mean, right. like, it ain't, there's going to be tons of, in my opinion, there's not going to be tons of easy throws over the middle with guys wide open unless Jalen Milrow's legs just explode and teams don't know what to do with any type of misdirection with this Alabama offense. Like, it is kind of scary to talk about what could be because I do believe, I agree with y'all, whoever starts week one at least gets the first – quarter and a half against Texas. Yep, I don't yep. know if they'll get the whole first half, depending on what Sark is doing. First, this, I think it's first three games. Well, I, Dude, Saban's never – he's never had a quick – well, I guess Blake Barnett, that's your outlier, right? But yeah, yeah, Blake, was what, like, Blake was a redshirt – Blake was a redshirt freshman. 
Yeah, but if Blake Barnett starts, if we don't start the season with USC and we start it with Middle Tennessee, Blake so, probably plays the first three yep. quarters. I've been blows yeah. and then the lights come on in a big game and it and you yep. get still got to put Hurts in there. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a scary situation, and it's only because there's so many question marks with each player. I mean, I, I look, I think they're all three talented. I, I'm not sitting here saying that Alabama's going 0 and 12, but just with the circumstances with the new offense coordinator who's very unfamiliar with the conference and the differences that you have with each player, you know, it's not like two of the players are the same and they're just battling it out, see who can make the big play, you know, see who can not turn the ball over. Every single one does something different. And so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, me personally, I would want Ty in there just because I love having my guy who has the ability to beat a defense with his arm. I mean, watching Tua, watching Bryce, watching Mac, I would rather have that guy than a guy like Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts was very, very good at Alabama. He was the SEC Player of the Year as a freshman. That's insane. But he was never going to win you the big game. He lost against Clemson his freshman year. You had to pull him against Georgia in his sophomore year. I mean, he yeah, he won the SEC Championship um, his, his junior year, which is great, but, you know, that's – a quarter and a half or whatever. It's just – it's an outlier. But if you if you put those guys down, you you list your top quarterbacks at the University of Alabama under Saban, you're going to put the best throwers up there first. You're going to put your Tua, A.J., Bryce, I mean, Matt. Those are going to be your top four. And then G-Mac and Jalen are going to be at the bottom. Blake Sims is going to be near the bottom because they're, they're not the best throwers of the football. So, I think it's Miller Rose to lose. But, yeah, that's why I, I think – the easiest lose the most losable game for Alabama is Texas easily. That's it's just because it's week two. Yeah, I know it's a home. It doesn't matter though. I mean, Sark's gonna run. He's probably already got the script made out, and they're just working on perfecting it. So, I mean, I it's it's gonna be tough. But finishing up here, Jay Law, top three receivers, man. Um, that's really the only other position. I think D D line. It is what it is by now. You got to get some more development there. You got a lot of bodies. Um, it's just going to be whoever steps up in camp. But receivers, you have a lot of bodies as well, a lot of talent. Who are your top three receivers that you see stepping up for Alabama this year? I don't know if they step up, but uh, they're going to run them out there. At least game one is going to be the three Bs, Burton, Benson, Brooks. I think Benson's going to be the real deal. Um, Can Holman Wiggins develop somebody? Josh Gaddis recruited the rideouts. I, I honestly, looking back at it, those guys might have been able to be drafted after their freshman year. Like, how much development did those guys really need? Waddle, I guess you could say, is a product of Holman Wiggins. Um, at since then, John Mechie, really good, not not an all star. Um, Jamison Williams comes in and runs by everybody because he's super fast. What Alabama has done with the last two years of wide receivers is pretty atrocious. Um, half of the guys aren't even on the roster anymore. Um, Aaron Anderson's gone. JoJo Earl's gone. Christian Leary's gone. Ajay Hall's gone. Um, you don't have a lot of those guys left, so you bring in a Benson. I do think Benson is going to be really good. I think Burton makes a resurgence this year. I think our, uh, Bryce's arm injury last year really hurt Jermaine Burton. Uh, we saw Bryce miss a lot of throws right when he came back, too. And Burton did try to – he stepped up for us a little bit down the stretch in the season. Thought he made some big catches. Even made a big catch in the Tennessee game to to keep us right in that in the fourth quarter. Um, but I think it's, it's this is the year that Ja'Cory Brooks, man. You're 6'3", 6'4", 30-yard um, line and end receiver. You don't have blazing speed, but you're supposed to be using your body to make plays. Can you get that done? I think those are the first three you see. Um, you're excited about Princess. You're excited about Kendrick Law. Yeah, you love Hamilton that just came in out of this recruiting class. Um, Henderson moving over from running back to wide receiver. People really like him, but I do think your starting three receivers are going to be those guys. And um, I think the tight end position, the quality of the tight end position is going to have a lot to to say about how many receivers and how often Alabama goes four wide or even five wide. I'd rather see four wides and one tight. Um, maybe kind of on the line of scrimmage, depending on what Alabama really wants to do. Um, uh, but we'll see. We've if we see two receivers and two tights, uh, I think it could be a long year. So, Jeez. yeah, I mean, I don't, I really don't even mind 
the the three receivers one tight set. I mean, you can, you can slip out a tight end. You can catch somebody napping every once in a while, as long as that's not your main go to target. Um, but I I can see I agree with yours as far as the starters, but I think the ones who step up throughout the year. Mine is number one is Kobe Prentice. He was a day one starter last year. Kind of came out of nowhere. Not really highly recruited. I think he got complacent midseason and lost his job, then got banged up a little bit, then couldn't get back into a groove with Bryce. Uh, Malik Benson, like you said, he had a good A-Day game. Saban doesn't just go get JUCO receivers every year. So for him to make Benson a big priority says something to me. Um, You know, a lot of people – he reminds a lot of people of Amari Cooper on film, so we'll see how he pans out. Um, Isn't he one of the few – transfers to every mm-hmm. fifth star. I mean, that's pretty big. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then my third is Isaiah Bond. I think Bond was fourth on the team in, in catches last year in yards. Ed Burton. Um, Jameer Gibbs, of course, led the team in receptions, which is insane for a running back. And uh, Ja'Cory Brooks. But then I, Isaiah Bond, I look for him to take a step up. And I think everybody's going to say Brooks. Everybody's going to say Burton. But and you're right, Burton did step up big last year. So you hope he can roll that into the season and put together a complete season because I think he can be a problem. Um, but I'm going to go with Prentice, Bond, and Benson. Lester, who are your three guys? Yeah, for me, um, num- actually number one on my list is uh, Kobe Prentice. Um, I, I do agree with you, said maybe a little banged up, maybe a little complacent. Um, uh, Saban has mentioned that before when young guys have success early on and you know they fall off a cliff for some reason. But yeah, I loved what I saw out of that guy. I mean, the when he was you know balling out, but I have uh, as JL say, just Corey Brooks and um, Burton, you know, more experience is, is good, man. We can't have mistakes we can't have guys dropping balls um something that's been a plague in the past you know it's all on you know Wiggins to develop these guys I think the crux of this conversation here is you just can't have three or four guys who you trust you've got to develop the whole roster because things happen injuries happen guys have to step up so, you know, those are going to be my main three, but hopefully Wiggins and, and company can develop a lot of these guys to, if they do have to come into play, they can be, you know, positive contributors to the team and not dropping balls all over the place because, you know, with the quarterback situation and everything going on, like the room for error around the quarterback is minimum. Yeah, you definitely you know, can't have Milro. Yeah, Milro put one down the seam, right, right down your shirt, and the guy drops it. That would just be just that, that's cool. devastating. That that can't happen. I don't. I don't know. If we've ever had a period in, you know, under Saban where we we could have said that statement. Maybe with Jalen, but seriously, everybody else around the quarterback has to be perfect because the margin for error. Especially early on in the season, golly, that week two game against Texas. Especially, it's it's the margin for error is zero. Offensive line, wide receivers, you know, backs blocking. Like you can't miss assignment or anything. The margin for error is 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 zero. Well, there we go. Your first football talk of the summer from the Gump Runners. Doom and gloom. Yep. Bama's gonna suck seven five. Hugh Freed's gonna beat us by thirty. Dang man, Hugh Freed's getting Perry Thompson and KJ Bolden and, and Ryan Riddick. Williams. Who else did that guy say? Riddick Lock. Riddick. <laughs> um, <laughs> Casey Poe. Dude, Lock. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so I'm so sorry, but I was like, they had a question, a Q and A with Walker White. Um, who not the guy from Breaking Bad, but uh, Auburn's quarterback commit, and he was like doing a Q and A in the comments on Instagram, weirdest thing I've ever seen. And he was like, they're asking him what led him to Auburn. He was talking about the Lord was pushing him to Auburn. I'm like this guy is so Hugh Freeze, like, Kool Aid already perfect. That's a God thing. It was Who God had... and the hookers. I mean, go wrong with that combo. <laughs> It's like they even they they cancel each other out, you know. I mean, it's just Will Sanders lock. 
Yeah. Auburn. Auburn Camp Coleman, Auburn Lane. Yep. Dylan Rayola is going to decommit from Georgia because he the guy God is telling him to go to uh Auburn because it's the God thing. <laughs> Auburn fans are like, oh well, Dylan Rayola transferred to Buford. That's really close. It's really close to the plains. That's right. Might get this guy. Him and KJ are a package deal. Auburn's going to get seven five stars. But anyway, all right. Well, uh, yeah, like you know, like I said, next week's SEC Media Day, so. Probably might not do one next week. Uh, probably wait till the week after so we can reflect on SEC media days, and then we'll start getting into our our preseason, preseason stuff like we do every year. We'll break down Alabama's SEC schedule plus Texas, just like we did last year, and uh, give you some predictions on on who we think will break out offenses and defensive side of the ball and uh, go game-by-game game breakdowns, all, all your stuff that we always do. Um, but we appreciate you guys tuning in. Episode 82. Jump Runners Podcast, Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. Talk to you guys later.